Welcome to Sit Down with RHS, an exciting new podcast from the Royal Hospital School where we bring to life the unique impact the school makes to young people's lives. In this series, we're chatting to members of the alumni to hear how RHS set them up for success, not just academically, but how it's given them the life skills, confidence and resilience to thrive and follow their ambitions. We'll be hearing from professional sports people and fashion designers to environmentalists and software engineers. In this episode, we're sitting down with Kate Somerset-Holmes, performer in the West End and globetrotting country music singer. We hear about her illustrious career in the performing arts since leaving RHS and how the opportunities at the school let her theatrical talents flourish. I hope you enjoy this wide-ranging and candid conversation. May it inspire you to also grab hold of every opportunity that life throws at you like Kate has done. Over to your host, Arabella Nordy, speaking to Kate Somerset-Holmes. Well, good morning, Kate. Um, what a joy to meet you. And thank you so much. Good morning, Arabella. Well, here we are today. So, I mean, it's obviously been an extraordinary probably time for you. Um, and I want to hear all about it, but also want to hear about your ambitions, things that have happened. So what has it been like for you, uh, particularly as a creative in the last 15 months? My goodness, a roller coaster. Um, we had uh, quite the ride actually going into uh, into this COVID pandemic. Um, when lockdown one began, we, my husband, I say we, my husband and I, we work as a duo, musical duo. So we were performing on Disney ships. Oh yes, the Bell Adventure. That's right, the Bell Adventure. Um, so we were performing on Disney ships all around the world, um, and. We happened to be in Miami and I think we basically skidded in about two days before lockdown one back to the UK and um, we had expected to be abroad for about nine months and we were only sort of two and a half months into that stint. So we'd, uh, we'd very sensibly given up our, uh, our lease on our rental place down in, in Bristol and so we were back in the UK and homeless in the middle of a pandemic. So we uh, we moved in with my very patient mum for six months, all of lockdown one, and basically drove her to complete madness playing music every day <laughs> in her conservatory. And it was that boiling hot summer. So, uh, yes, we were all melting and then... Um, and she got a real, um, a real The Bell Adventure experience. I don't think she's ever heard so much music in her house before. It's not necessarily the music that I think she'd choose to play. So uh, it was, um, it was a challenge for <laughs> us all. And obviously, having been at, uh, being a boarding school child, I hadn't really lived at home since I was about 16, I think. So it was a very unusual lockdown one experience. Um, and then I think lockdown two, we moved to London. My husband is very handy. So he was doing some handyman stuff and project management on um, renovations. And some very lovely friends of ours bought a place in Balham and needed a project manager and a carpenter. So we then moved to London and did that for six months for lockdown two. It's so funny how I've completely compartmentalized our year into the lockdowns. Mm. Um and then, um, and then we've come to Bristol. So, yes, no, no music for work anyway to speak of. It's been, um, it's been a challenge when you have 
your whole industry just disappear overnight? What do you do? Um, it's, yeah. I it mean, that's a very... great question, isn't it? <laughs> One thing I have to say with creative people is that we have to learn very quickly to adapt and diversify. And I don't think I know any creatives that don't have a side hustle, as we like to call it, um, or something else that they can do. Um, but they're often in creative industries still, because that's where our skills lie. Uh, that's where we sort of naturally fall. And so I feel like COVID just <laughs> really swept all of them away. So it was quite challenging. We were very lucky in that, um, as I said, my husband started in stage management and carpentry and stuff. So he could move towards that sort of thing because everybody did DIY and, and things like that in, in the lockdowns, didn't they? They're staring at the four walls mm -hmm. of their house thinking, I really must change those. And, um, and so that was quite handy for us. But we, um, we did a lot of musical projects. We got in touch with all of our friends, family, fans, all the, the sort of following that we had um, built up over the last few years and said, right, well, none of us are doing anything. So tell us what you'd like, what music you'd like to hear us to play. To play. And we basically learnt a song, a new song every day, learnt it in the morning and then uploaded it at night and did uh, the Sofa Sessions project. So that kept us very busy for a while. Um so yeah, it was, it's, it's been interesting. <laughs> wow. So gosh, okay. So there's a whole lot of stuff in there, Kate. Well, yes, your side and I love this passion and this passion as well. And this desire to learn a new song, to keep yourself sort of busy every day. So, I mean, going back, you know, I mean, obviously you are very musical, you're creative. Where did this start? What nurtured this talent? Well, um, I think when I was at, when I was at school, a sort of little school, I have always been in the end of term shows and plays and that sort of thing. I was always uh, talking to myself in a mirror, doing scenes or not quite singing into the hairbrush. But, you know, I was that child in the back of the car that would not stop wailing to all of the, the tapes and, and CDs that were playing in the car. Um, so I suppose my parents knew quite early on that I wanted to be a singer, whether I vocalized that or not. I don't, I don't remember. Um, but they are not really, I mean, my mother is very musical. My dad loves music, but none, neither of them are in the creative industries. So I feel like it's not really in their wheelhouse. They didn't really know what to do with me. So there were a few after school clubs, that sort of thing. And when I got to RHS, I feel, so I arrived at RHS in year nine. So sort of, that's a strange experience in itself. So everyone had been there since year seven, but I'd been in prep school. So we arrived and there were sort of six or seven of us that arrived in year nine. And you're already sort of a fish out of water thinking you're very conspicuous as this tiny uh, intake of children. Um, but it sort of is good in a way because... People take you under their wing. They've been there a couple of years already. And um, and I was very lucky to join the choir very quickly. And that, I must say, I mean, we can, we can do the whole podcast on that because it was such a wonderful experience. And it uh, gave me so, so much 
um, nurturing and and a huge skill set that I still use today, actually. Um, and I think that doing uh, sort of having that potential nurtured for music and then for musical theatre and uh, as your voice changes as a singer, being able to really not have any boundaries. Um, RHS was brilliant for that. All of the, um, like I was under the choir mastery of Peter Crompton. Um, he was fantastic. And everyone, because it's a boarding school, it's a, it's like your home, isn't it? So everyone talks to one another. And so I've, you know, I think Kate might like to do some shows. She likes musical theatre as well as classical music. And then you start to go into the shows. So it was definitely my schooling that that nurtured it all, even if I didn't quite know, or well, let's be more realistic, I did not have a clue how to make that into a career at that point. Um, it was just a lot of fun being able to sing and act uh, at school. I mean, it's interesting because uh, I know RHS is all about, isn't it, about developing your potential, um, your intellectual curiosity. I mean, you know, you talk about the choir. What other opportunities did you have to develop your stagecraft? Well, um, I feel like a boarding, I mean, in hindsight, as an adult, of course, I can look at this and say, well, a boarding school is just rife for stagecraft, every single aspect of it. Um, you can write books on it. It's such an unusual experience, especially a forces boarding school. It's just, it bonds you to the people you who went there. If you are still, I mean, I'm very lucky. I have a very close core group of girlfriends. Um, I've just spent the weekend away with them. We're still very good friends. And it just really bonds you with this strange experience, set of experiences for life. Um, so, but I think with, with RHS, you have the choir, you have, um, the house shout. I don't know if they still do that. Um, Totally. Do you want to tell everyone exactly for those people who are listening who don't know what the house shout is? Please tell us about it. I will. I know that sounds so random. <laughs> so the house shout was an inter-house competition, which of course everyone gets so riled up about because it's just a chance to uh, cement the hierarchy of whose house is the best. Um, and there isn't much that's more important in a boarding school, let's be honest. So um, you would have, it's a singing competition, basically. So you'd have the house shout and the house harmony. And uh, you would choose a song. I can't really remember who picked the songs. Well, I picked them one year as I was uh, when I got old enough. But basically, you'd have somebody who was vaguely musical and you'd choose one song that the whole house would sing in unison. And then you'd have the slightly better singers, let's say, who would uh, build up a sort of a, a smaller group and you would write harmonies and you'd choose a different song and you'd write harmonies for it and that would be your house harmony and so one house would win the house shout one house would win the house harmony and it was hotly contested let me tell you so to have musical uh, competitions like that I suppose that peppered your year was uh, was a really valuable experience certainly for me um, you know learning I don't think many children or young people of sort of 16 to 18 get the chance to write a set of harmonies for their whole house to perform and to be judged upon. You know, that's um, an extremely challenging experience and it's very valuable as well. And that's where I suppose for me, my experience in the choir came in so handy because I did, I did that. I learned harmonies and parts to music 
most weeks, you know, every, every day. Um, it was just part of my experience. So that was, uh, that was brilliant. And you had musicals and plays going on. Um, I don't remember really the regularity of, of how often that happened, like probably twice a year. Um, but that was, that was excellent as well. And anyone could audition. So it, it really, you know, they did try, even if you didn't necessarily have any theatrical experience, if you were a new kid, if you hadn't been in the choir, it wasn't a closed shop. You know, anybody could audition if they fancied it. And I think that is really, really wonderful. And everyone was given a fair, a fair chance, a fair shot, and you could be in it, even if it was just to sit on the stage as a sunflower or whatever. Um, and I think mining my terrible memory, I think that there were inter-house theatrical competitions as well. I remember one year writing a version of Ghost, the film, to put on stage. Um, but yeah, so and, and so we had all sorts of artistic creative competitions going on. So there were so many opportunities to see if you liked it, see if you were good at it. And, and one thing RHS did fantastically throughout all arenas is if you showed a modicum of potential, they would do their best to try and run with it and nurture it. And I think that's such a wonderful thing. I mean, that that is something to be treasured, isn't it? That idea of nurturing talent, encouragement, you know, putting you on that path. And actually, as you talk about it, it just made me think, yeah, pupil leadership opportunities is so invaluable. And for you to have had space to start your skills to develop and to start making decisions yourself so if you know thinking thinking about I mean I know that you have um appeared in Annie on the West End and also uh toured as well um in Greece as Rizzo you know are there any things that you have your your ambitions to be on the West End stage that you actually performed in those plays back at school can you remember any of those where you've then had the chance I certainly can. So um, actually, somebody sent me some horrific photos recently um, of me playing Sandy in Greece at RHS. Um, and so uh, so having you know, Greece as a musical that's followed me for years and years, um, which is quite lovely, um, or playing slightly different roles. So um, so yes, Greece, my Greece journey started at RHS. Um and I remember it so clearly. I mean, it was wonderful. It's a wonderful thing to be in a show anyway. Uh, when you're young, it's really such a uniquely exciting experience and absolutely petrifying. Let's not make any bones about it. You are standing on stage performing to all of your peers and, you know, boyfriends you may have, girlfriends you may have, people you like, people you don't like. It's an incredibly raw experience. And to be able to get through that and, fingers crossed, enjoy it when you're at school and when you're young is such a, an invaluable experience moving forward. And I was lucky enough to, to do that in my career. So it has prepared me beautifully <laughs> for it. Um, yeah, and it is about the sense of camaraderie, isn't it? And doing something together as well as learning the skills. And I mean, obviously then, Kate, you I mean, you got a singing scholarship to Brunel University. Why do you think that was so pivotal as well in your career? I was thinking about this just before we spoke, that the choir for at RHS was such a, a huge part of school life. You know, we... Uh, 
we would have the opportunity to sing at St. Paul's Cathedral for the seafarer service every year. We sang every year at uh, the Remembrance Service at the Albert Hall. And you would have, you know, we opened the Greenwich Maritime Museum. And I remember singing a solo for the Queen and being so overwhelmed that she was so close to me. And I would never have had those experiences. And being in a group like that, so when I was so new and fresh to this brand new school, which seemed completely enormous compared to my small, tiny prep school, um, being part of a club, an extracurricular activity, the choir in this case, it bonds you to a group of people that you may not necessarily become friends with, but they become people that let's not over romanticize. They don't look out for you necessarily, but you are part of something. And I think moving forward, that is, that really sort of, um, paves the way for you to feel like you're stepping forward in confidence that you have that um, team behind you, really. Um, and I think that was incredibly valuable. Um, and I think that has, that has carried with me. Um, you're always part of some, you're part of a team when you're performing, when you're, uh, when you're having these amazing experiences, you are sort of cushioned and buoyed by your by your team and I think that started very early at RHS and I think that's that's a really wonderful thing oh gosh what amazing opportunities yeah. and I mean great and I was just thinking about actually because also for so many schools art seemed to be being pushed to the side um, I mean you know you've mentioned RHS all of the opportunities you've had why do you think that's really invaluable for young people at school today gosh well Really, I mean, I was just talking about this last night to a friend about how sad it is that it seems like the arts are being pushed aside at the moment. Certainly for someone like me, I mean, I loved English. That was another passion of mine, which was really pushed at school. Um, and I was, you know, ever so worthy about my, my art and passion. The girls I mentioned earlier, we, um, when we left RHS, the summer in between, uh, school and university, we all took ourselves off interrailing around Italy and, uh, and Greece. And, you know, we went to so many museums. We thought ourselves extremely knowledgeable fine art students, um, went to so many galleries and churches and all that sort of thing. And, um, and I, I would never have, you know, those experiences stay with me. You know, I still love all of that sort of thing. I mean, I, I um, I think I would never have known, I would never have had that experience and the many levels of, uh, of brilliant experiences on that holiday if I hadn't learned all about the masters and, uh, and been sort of encouraged to be artistic and to learn about art. I, RHS was wonderful. Even, even so many years ago, it had its own, uh, dark rooms, photography studios. I loved photography. Um, you were able to specialize in any art that you liked. Um, you know, just the, the English teachers were phenomenal. It was my real sort of love subject, my passion subject. I, um, I loved English and I remember all of my teachers. I'm still in touch with a few of them. Um, I think that the arts are for, for children who aren't necessarily academic or, you know, in the 
they don't lean towards the sort of polytechnics or the sciences there needs to then there needs to be an alternative um to be able to have artistic subjects encouraged is so important because we all have different strengths and weaknesses and if yours as a young person doesn't involve numbers or uh any science then what do you have left if those art subjects aren't available um you know it was so so valuable to my to my life now you know i am a creative i love creative subjects so if that hadn't existed in my schooling i don't know who i would be today really yeah it's i mean it's a good reminder that you know we all need something that we have a passion about and how that for you that your time at school you were given an opportunity to find a passion to engage with it and actually to sort of seek the you know the highest standard possible well Kate it's been such a pleasure to speak to you today and find out more about you know you what set you on this path and uh, you know obviously excited to see what happens next so just to think back to your days at school when you first turned up in year nine and you were standing in RHS what do you what would you say to somebody who was going into year nine now what would you what would be your sort of thing to say or advice for them gosh get stuck in um I think it's so it can be so scary so intimidating going to a new place, a new environment that's probably a lot bigger than your old environment. It's completely strange. But I must say, having a place like RHS, which has so many opportunities for you, it is such an incredible preparation for life. I am, as I mentioned before, as a creative, you have to be so adaptable. And I think going to RHS and the, the beauty of RHS and, well, certainly when I went in my era, um, it was still very much um, the seafarers scholarships and the, the sort of sons of seafarers as it used to be. Um, you had children and young people from every single walk of life, corner of life, background, ethnicity. It was an amazing melting pot of people. And life is like that. And so it prepared me brilliantly to be able to jump into a new situation that's completely terrifying, which when you work in theatre, you're starting a new job basically every couple of years, every year, and you just have to get stuck in. And I think RHS did really prepared me wonderfully for that, because that, that is what you have to do as a new, as a new year nine student. It is so overwhelming. When I was in year nine, I turned up and you get you got given a leaflet with all of the different language that RHS still used for things like butter and uh, jam. I don't think anyone actually used it. I think one was called squidge. It's old naval terms that they used still back then. And we used to march in squad up to mess. And as a as a child who, I mean, I never experienced my dad's time in the Navy. So I remember reading all this stuff going, what is this place? I just don't understand. Um, but those hilarious memories, and I'm sure it's much more mainstream now, it bonds you to that group, that era of, of children who are now adults. And you can always just have a laugh with somebody about the ridiculousness of using these strange names and doing CCF in school and you know, if I hadn't have been encouraged to do all of those things, I wouldn't have any of that. And I think it's 
it's a really valuable thing. So I would say to a year seven, eight, nine, how whenever you arrive at RHS is to just get stuck in and don't be, don't try not to be afraid. Use it all for for the positive. Well, I'm going to finish it there because I think it's something so valuable for anyone to hear at any stage in life. Um, and I've learned something new there about Squidge. <laughs> Jam. Kay, thank you for joining me today. It's been a real pleasure to speak to you. Thank you for having me, Arabella. It's been lovely to talk to you too. And that was Kate Somerset-Holmes, alumna at RHS and singer, songwriter, side hustler and Disney ship sailor. What a fantastic interview. Thank you, Kate, for speaking with us on the podcast. Make sure you subscribe on your favourite podcast player so you never miss another interview with some of RHS's finest alumni. And that's it for today. Thanks for being with us. We look forward to welcoming you back next time.